All right. Well, I'm going to pray and we will get started. Father, thank you that we have this space, that we have this time together. And whether uh, we are uh, in crazy times or good times, we know that you are with us. And God, even though we are disconnected, that we're in living rooms all throughout the city and maybe even in other parts of our country and world, God, even though we're in different, in different places, we can be connected through you, uh, opening the Bible together, listening to your word together, taking communion together. God, I thank you that you connect us. And I thank you that even when there's technology uh, issues or whatever there is, God, we know that you are present and we can spend some time in our mornings, in our weeks, beginning by recentering on you. And I pray that you would just allow this time, even though we're connected through screens, allow this time to be useful and helpful for all of us. Speak to our hearts, God, right now. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, we are in Luke, and we are going to be continuing in Luke chapter 6, looking at the Sermon on the Mount. If you're in the uh, online platform, there's a little Bible tab. We're using the CSB translation, or you can just pull up your Bible at home. And uh, we are in Luke 6. And what we're talking about today is this, that we all have difficult people in our life. We all have difficult people in our life, and we want to learn how to relate well to them. Uh, we want to learn how to relate well to difficult people in our life. We also want to not be as affected by the difficult people in our life. Imagine if you are able to have all sorts of difficult relationships, what, whoever those might be, but not be as affected, not be as brought down. That is what we want. Uh, and, it, and it might be at work, and I know many of you are working from home now, so maybe that's not the case. It might be uh, employers, employees, coworkers. It might be those kind of relationships that are difficult. Maybe as all of us are cooped up at home, it might be your spouse or your kids, and, and you feel the difficulty of relationships. We all have difficult relationships, and we struggle. And when it's hard, difficult relationships, difficult people can throw the whole day off. You know that maybe you've started your day good and it's, it's going awesome, but when you, you go into work or you, stuff's not right with you and your wife or you and your husband or whatever it is, it can throw the whole day off. Relationships have power. But most of the time, with the difficult relationships that we have in our life, most of the time, we can't just leave those. We can't just say, okay, I'm done. Most of the time, we're actually in those relationships and we have to learn how to deal with those relationships. We have to learn how to relate well with the difficult relationships that we have. And, and what if we could? What if we were able to say, I've got difficult relationships in my life, but I'm able to actually relate well. I'm able when the intensity happens, when the stress happens, to handle it well. I'm able to have a peace. I'm able to have a poise. I'm able to not be as affected. What if we could do that? It's not easy. It's not easy, but that is what Jesus is going to speak into today. How do we relate with difficult people, difficult relationships? We all have them, and we always will, corona or not, we will always have difficult relationships. So this passage that we're looking at is going to help us see who those difficult relationships often are, what Jesus calls us to, and how we can actually relate in a better way. And interestingly enough, this is the first direct commands in this book of the Bible, in Luke. This is the first direct commands that Jesus gives to people. And it's interesting. 
that that is the case. We could think of a lot of different things that Jesus might start off saying, this is how life needs to be, or this is what you need to do, or this is... And the first thing that Jesus chooses to address where he gives direct commands is difficult relationships. That should be instructive to us of just how prevalent this is and how much we need his help. So let me read this, and then we will look at what Jesus says. Here's, here's where we begin. Luke 6, 27. But I say to you who listen, whether online or in person, I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks you. And from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do what is good, and lend, expect, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For He is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. So, let's start with this. Who is it that Jesus says to love? And he gives us three different groups of people. The first is enemies. And you might not think that you have enemies. I don't think that's a word that we use very often relationally. You probably don't say, oh yeah, do you know Joe? He's my enemy. We don't really think about that that often. But interestingly, again, the Bible talks about enemies more than, it talks about enemies 300% more, more than 300% actually, than it talks about friends, which again is saying we have these people in our lives, even if we don't often think that we do. We have enemies. We have people that hate us. And maybe, again, it's not hate in the sense of they want you to die, and but hate in the sense that they're not for you. We have people in our life who are not saying, I am for you, and my heart is for you. Jesus says that love your enemies. That's, that's the first part, and those people are ones that hate you. It's people that curse you. You have people that gossip about you. You have people that slander about you. You have people that speak poorly of you. We have people that curse us. We have people that mistreat us. And again, that might not be these awful things, but if you think in your life right now, you know you have people that mistreat you, that don't treat you the way that you want to be treated, that you should be treated. This can be at work. This can be just in the world in general. It can be at home. Um, and we think even right now during this time where um, everyone in our nation, in our world is experiencing hurt and tragedy. And sometimes, you know, you, you see on next door neighbors or different things that people say, yeah, we're all in this together and we're all for each other and let's be kind and let's be neighbors. And that's great. But usually what that means is to the people that deserve that, to the people that are, are let's all look out for one, one another. It's not, hey, see those people on spring break in Florida that are awful and ruining everything? Let's go love them. See, we have enemies, and often it's not we're all in this together. We have people that mistreat us, that curse us, that are not for us. That's the first group, Jesus says, of who we need to relate to, of who we need to love, is those that are enemies. 
The second category that Jesus gives is the needy. If you, if you look, he says, not if anyone, he says, give to everyone who asks you. And for someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. And this isn't envisioning uh, someone that is a, a robber. This is envisioning someone that is in need. Someone that says, I need something, and they are asking you for something. And often, that's a difficult relationship. When we have people that uh, cannot return to us what we are giving to them, Jesus is envisioning people in need. This is a second group of people that is often difficult to relate to. Many people right now are in need. And there's a part of us that loves that. We love to meet needs. But if you've ever had a long-term relationship in your life where someone was very needy and often needed a lot of things over and over and over and over again, that can be taxing. It can be draining. And Jesus even uses the word ungrateful. At the very end, he says that God is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. But what he's talking about is that often we have people in our lives that are ungrateful. See, one category of people that is often difficult to deal with that Jesus says we need to love is our enemies. The other is those that are in need. And often those that are in need, if it's a long-term thing, may be ungrateful, which is hard for us if that is the case. And then the third group that Jesus gives to us is those that are simply not in your group. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. But see, we all have people that are not those who love us, just people that are outside of our group. Listen, the mafia, they take care of each other well. The KKK, they take care of each other well. ISIS, they take care of each other well. If you are in the group, it feels great to be in that group. And no matter what kind of group it is, it usually takes care of itself well. But Jesus is saying, One of the groups that we need to learn how to relate to, one of the people that we are called to love is those not in our group. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? You need to be thinking about, we all need to be thinking about those that are not in our group, whatever that is for us. Our affinity, our political identity, our ethnicity, whatever it is, our socioeconomic status, whoever's not in our group that we naturally would say, yeah, of course I'm gonna love those people. Jesus is saying, One of the difficult relationships that we have is simply those that are not in our group. It's easy to ignore them. It's easy not to love them. Now, here's what all of this means. Here's what these kind of, as Jesus goes through enemies and the needy and those not in our group, it means, and you know this, it means that there are people in our life that are hard to love. It means there are people in our life that are hard to love love. And I love this quote from G.K. Chesterton, an old author. He says this, the Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also to love our enemies, probably because generally they are the same people. And isn't that true? Oftentimes the people that are needy, the people that are mistreating us, the people that sometimes are a little different from us are often the people that it's not some separate category of people. It's the people in our home. It's the people at our work. There are people that are hard to love, difficult to love, and God knows this. And God, what Jesus is doing here, is widening the circle from what we often think about of who we are to relate to. He's widening the circle of who we are to love. This is the community that he is building. So who does Jesus say to love? Enemies, the needy, and those not in our group. Second thing is this, what does Jesus say our relating to these people should look like? 
What does he say it should look like? And what I want you to do with this is to think of someone. Don't post their name in the chat, but I want you to think of someone. I want you to think of somebody in your life that maybe falls into one of those categories. The needy, the, an enemy, or somebody that's not in your group. And again, maybe those are people in your very own house. Maybe it is your spouse. Maybe it is your kids of whoever it is that's difficult to love right now. I want you to think of them. And here's what Jesus says our relating to them should look like. The natural way. The natural way that we relate to those kind of people is to attack them back. If they mistreat us, we mistreat them. If they curse us, we curse them. That's the natural way. It's to attack back or to defend ourselves or to ignore them. Maybe we just say, I just can't deal with these kind of people in my life. I need to set up boundaries. I can't handle these kind of toxic people. I need them out. That's the natural way. But Jesus gives us something very different. And listen, I, I, this is hard. This is a hard teaching to look at. I, I don't read this and go, why aren't you all doing this? This is a hard teaching to look at. Here is how Jesus says our relating to them should be. He says, love your enemies. Think about that. Love is this ultimate desire. I want your good. Is that how you think about the people in your life that are difficult to relate to right now? That you say, I want your good so bad. Love your enemies. Do good, he says. Do good to those who hate you. I don't know if you've ever had someone that has hated you, maybe even has said, I hate you. Our instinct normally is not, thank you for letting me know that, and I would like to do some good for you. That's not normally how it goes. Jesus says, do good to those who hate you. So if love is a, is a desire or a kind of an emotional, I want your good, he doesn't just let it stay there where sometimes we go, oh, I love everybody. He doesn't let it stay there. He says, I want you to do good. That's practical action. That's us actually doing for other people. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. If you, if you listen in and you hear people gossiping about you, do you say, you know what I want to do? I want to bless those people. That's not how we normally think. When you're, when you're people that you love, whether that's your kids or your spouse or your parents, are, are speaking things to you that are rude or harsh or, or impatient, do you say, man, I'm going to bless them? That's not normally what we think. Jesus says, love, do good, bless, which is our words. And then pray. Pray for those who mistreat you. Sometimes we might do that. We may pray, God, please help them lose their job. I would love if you did that tonight. Maybe that's what we pray. But how often do we pray for those that are mistreating us? The mistreatment that we feel when you come home from work, the mistreatment that you feel from those even closest to you, from your family, your friends, when you are mistreated, do we say, I'm going to pray for those people? See, what happens here is Jesus says, not an obligatory, love your enemies, kind of I love everybody, but a comprehensive if you think about it, it's a comprehensive, it's our desires, it's our actions, it's our prayers, it's our words, emotion, action, spiritual, all of it. Comprehensively, Jesus says, I want you to involve your total self in being for those that are needy, those that are enemies, those that are not in your group. And then he gives us four different examples of this, which again are very difficult. He says, if somebody... If somebody uh, hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. 
Now, most commentators will tell you that this is speaking not of a, a punch to the jaw, but rather kind of an insult. If you're in a fight, you don't usually slap someone's cheek. You, you're going to you know, go for the throat or I don't, this is not an MMA class. You're going, to, you're going to not slap the person though, right? So if you were to slap somebody, that's, that's an insult. And Jesus is saying here, let me give you some examples. I want you to love those that are needy. I want you to love those that are not in your group. I want you to love enemies. Let me give you a few examples. And the first that he lists is if somebody insults you, if somebody demeans you, if somebody in front of others probably demeans you, puts you down, I want you to not fight back. I want you to be willing to lose. They slap you on the cheek. Let them hit the other also. That's the first example he gives. Then he talks about a robbery. Somebody comes and steals your coat. Don't fight back. Let him take your shirt also. That's the second example. The third example he says is somebody comes to you and they're not going to be able to pay you back. Listen, if you've got something and you know someone's going to be able to pay you back, great. A lot of us will lend something to other people, but what if you know someone's never going to be able to pay you back and they may even be ungrateful for that? Jesus says, give it to them if they're in need. And then, and then he talks about uh, someone asking and then borrowing. I kind of put those two together. Asking uh, someone that's poor and in need or someone that wants to borrow something and you know you're not going to get it back, let them have it. So think about those things. I think it's interesting. All the different things that he touches on, he could have probably kept going because he's taking the principles of loving enemy and doing good to those that are not in our group and he's applying it in all sorts of days, different ways. But just the variety of ways he's applying it should help us see there's principles that affect and touch every area of life. Now, let me just say this because when we read this teaching, it can be maybe kind of hard to understand and it doesn't mean that there shouldn't be any government. It doesn't mean that there shouldn't be any government, that there shouldn't be punishment for those that, that rob and think. Jesus is talking about relational, relational ways that we interact with people. It also doesn't mean that abuse is okay. No abusing spouse should be able to quote these words and say them to someone that they are abusing. It doesn't mean that. It also doesn't mean laziness is okay. And we say, Jesus says that I can ask anything from anyone I want and I should be great. So you can just, you know, knock on all of the Christian neighbors' doors that you have and say, I'd like $10,000 and, and just make your way throughout the neighborhood. That's, it doesn't mean that laziness is not okay. There's other places in the Bible where it says that we are to work for our food. So there's some qualifying things that we have to put on this, but we also don't want to take away the weight of this. So it's kind of a tricky balance. We need to read what Jesus is saying and understand that it is radical. We need to, it, like, it, we, if we read this and just spiritualize it and just have always an excuse and always an exception, I don't think we're letting it hit us. But if we unthinkingly apply it to everything, we're also not being using the wisdom that God would have us you. So it is radical, but it's not to be done without thought. It's not to be done apart from everything else that the Bible teaches on things. It's not every single situation that these apply to, but it is a posture and a heart and a demeanor that every single situation would apply to. Here's what it means. Here's the principle. Here's the heart that Jesus is getting at. It's a willingness to lose. Willingness to lose. Willingness to, to be wronged and not retaliate. An expectation, Jesus even says, to, to lend and expect nothing in return. It means that we're supposed to go into our relationships with no expectations. 
a willingness to be wronged, a willingness to lose, a willingness not to stand on our rights as the only way that we enter into relationships. Now, let me just tell you how different this is. Because most of the time when we think about our relationships, we think about reciprocity. We think about, I give and then you give back to me. You might think about that in a big way with karma, where, man, I, I, I kind of put things out into the world and then those come back to me. That's reciprocity on the grand scheme of things. You might think about it in marriage where, okay, I'm going to serve you in these ways and fill your tank, but now I need you to serve me in these ways and fill my tank. You may think about this with your kids. Oftentimes people say things like, man, I've done so much for you. How could you not? Which is to say that I'm expecting you to give me something back. And what Jesus is doing here is giving us, this is the big idea of the ethic or the heart that he is giving. Jesus is calling us to a freedom from reciprocity. And I really think that's what it is. It's a freedom. Because if we are bound to needing reciprocity in our relationships, if we are bound to needing it to be tit for tat, if we are bound to needing it to be, I do for you, you do for me, we will always be frustrated. We will always be wanting more. We will always be seeing people's faults. We will always be seeing where they're not measuring up. And Jesus is giving us commands, but he's also liberating us. He is saying it is not reciprocity that we bring to our relationships. He says, do to others what you would have them do to you, not just the ones that love you, not just the ones that do it to you, but to give, expecting nothing in return. To love, knowing they'll still hate you. To pray, knowing they will still mistreat you. To bless, even while they are cursing you. That's what Jesus calls us to. Now, that's very difficult, is it not? It's very hard. If anyone is listening to this right now and goes, yeah, 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 of course. I don't think you're feeling the weight of what Jesus is saying. It's very difficult to live in this way. Where do we get the power to do this? What can help you and I to be changed, to be more like this? Because it feels impossible, if we're honest. I know that as I read these words, this seems impossible to do in so many ways, in the big ways and even in the little ways. It's often hard enough just to love our friends. It's often hard enough just to be loving to those that we actually love, much less enemies and those in constant need that are ungrateful and those not in our group. How do we do this? What power do we have? And, and Jesus gives us a few different things about God, some characteristics of God that can help us with this. The first is that God is just. If you look at, at the, towards the end, he says, you, love your enemies, do what's good, lend expecting nothing in return, then your reward will be great. See, what that's saying is this, God is just. You, you, you may constantly be on the receiving end of injustice on this earth, but we have a just God and he sees. If Jesus can say that you will be rewarded for living like this, what it means is that God sees and God is ultimately just. You may experience injustice today. You may experience injustice in our world, but God is a just God, and we can entrust ourselves to him and to his justice one day. That's the first thing. He helps us to just remind that even if you're taken advantage of here, God sees that, and he doesn't let it go for eternity. Second thing is he tells us that God is our Father. He says he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your Father also is 
merciful. And he says, you, your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. Now, this is not saying if you live like this, then you will become God's child. What it is saying is you will show yourself to be God's child when you live like this. He's speaking to, remember, the disciples. He's gathering them on the mountain. He's starting this new community, and he's speaking to them, people that are already in. And he is not saying, here's how you become God's child. Rather, what he is saying is, when you live like this, you show your fatherly likeness. I remember when I was a kid that I used to love to eat everything. But I, and I don't mean everything as in that I just love to keep eating, although that, that is true also. I mean that there wasn't a lot of foods I, I didn't like. I like pretty much all foods. And, and I think part of where that came from is I think it was my mom that told me, man, your dad likes everything and he'll try everything and he eats everything. And I, I felt a closeness to my dad because it was like he and I are like each other. And oftentimes parents feel, parents and kids feel that way. A father feels affection for their kids when they see that they are like them. And kids like to be like their parents in some way. And they feel an intimacy if they can say, oh, I'm like my dad in this way. I'm like my mom in this way. We both like this. We both laugh like this. We both are into this same thing. We both like all kinds of foods. They feel an intimacy when they know that they are like their father or their mother. That's what Jesus is saying. He is saying, you show yourself to be a child of God when you live the way he lives, which is giving us an encouragement for our hearts to know we have a father who is like this, and we can actually even be close to him as we live like this. And then the third one, which may be the most powerful that we need for our hearts, is he says, be merciful, just as your father also is merciful. It says that he is gracious, that God is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. It is telling us what God is like, that God wants to do good for his enemies, that God has compassion for his enemies, that those that curse God, God wants to do good for, that those that mistreat God, God has compassion for, that those that are not giving anything back to God and are ungrateful to God for all the blessings he's given, it says about him, he's merciful and he's gracious to the ungrateful and evil. It says that is who God is. And here's the big idea with that. It's to remember that he did that for us. It's not just that he did, does that for the ungrateful and the evil out there. It's that he did that for us. See, we have all been enemies of God. We've all cursed God. We've all been ungrateful to God. God's done things in our life that we've been ungrateful for. Maybe even during this season, we're starting to wake up a little bit. I hope that that's the case and go, man, I've taken for granted things that God has given to me. We've all been ungrateful to God. We have all, the Bible says, been enemies of God, where it doesn't mean that you have had the finger up to the sky and been hostile to God, but it means that in our hearts, we have loved other things and gone after other things and said, this is what matters. The Bible says we have all been enemies to God. We have all been ungrateful to God. We've all been indifferent to Him. And the way that he has treated us, and this is before you were Christian, for those of you that are Christians, but it's even after we've been Christians that we have been indifferent, ungrateful, we've acted as enemies, and what he does is treat us with goodness and mercy and grace. The Bible says elsewhere that his mercies are new every morning. See, God continues to treat us when we are hostile, indifferent, ungrateful with grace. 
my family and I watched the Mr. Rogers movie with Tom Hanks last night. And if you haven't seen it, it's a great movie to watch. If you want a picture of Grace, it's a great, it's a great movie to watch. Um, but one of the things that stood out to me in there is that it, there's this reporter doing a, stories on, a story on Mr. Rogers, and uh, he's kind of a bad guy, basically. He's not a great guy, and he always writes bad stories about people. But Mr. Rogers still wants to interview him. And one of the, I don't know how to call him, one of the handlers for Mr. Rogers is speaking with this reporter. And he says, Mr. Rogers likes everybody, but he especially likes people like you. And what he meant with that is to say he likes everybody. Yeah, of course, he loves everybody. He's kind to everybody. But he especially likes mean people. He especially likes enemies. He especially likes those who are against him. That is how Jesus is. Jesus loves everybody, but he especially loves sinners. He especially loves those who have been ungrateful who have not loved their enemies like we have been called to, have not even loved our families or our spouses or our friends the way we've been called to. Jesus especially loves those people. You see, if we want the power to be able to be gracious and merciful to others, to love our enemies, to pray for people that are mistreating us, we have to remember that that's how we've been to God and that his heart to us has been mercy and grace. So here's the big idea. It's not reciprocity. Instead, the way we get this power is we receive it. It's received, not reciprocal. We receive His grace, then we can give grace. We receive His love, then we can give love. We receive His prayer even in intercession for us, then we can give it. We receive His blessing, and then we can bless. That is the key to our difficult relationships. And let me just give you this final thing. This is very practical of how you can do this. This is what it can look like. So think of a difficult person in your life right now. And these are five quick things that, that you can do. The first, and this is just really just going through this list. The first is to name it. Jesus says those that curse you or those that mistreat you or those that name it. What is it that they're doing to you? Name the thing. I think it can be helpful to go, they are cursing me, or they are lying about me, or they are ungrateful to me, or they're taking from... Name what it is. Name it. Second is match it with what Jesus says. See, Jesus goes, if people are doing this, do this. So name what it is that people are doing and match it to what Jesus says we are called to do in that moment. Three is to remember. That's what we just talked about. Remember what God has done for us. Remember what Jesus has done for us and think how he's done that for you. Think how Jesus has loved you or blessed you or, or given to you when you didn't deserve it or when you were ungrateful. Think how he's done that to you. Then ask for his help to do that to them and then act, which means do it. If we remember those five things, that helps us. Think about the difficult relationships, name it, match it, remember, ask for help, and act. We all have difficult people in our life. Wouldn't it be great if we could learn how to love those people, if, if they didn't have power over us? This is how. Jesus' first direct commands that he gives speak into our difficult relationships. This is the kind of community that he wants for us, by the way, even if you're not a Christian. I, I love this. This is such good news. If you're not a Christian, Jesus is speaking to you right now, even through a camera saying, I especially love you. And I especially want those that have been ungrateful to me and those that have been my enemies. I especially want you. 
He wants all of us to experience a community like this, a community of grace. This is good news. So what I want us to do right now is if you have any questions, I'd love to take a minute and answer any questions that you have, and then we will take communion together, and I will close our time in prayer. So give me one second to see if there's any questions. I know that um, our, uh, it sounds like our online platform wasn't really working, so, uh, so maybe you aren't able to ask questions on there, but let me just check really quick to see if there is. Just going to wait a few more seconds. Maybe you can get your communion ready during this time if you have no questions. Okay, it doesn't look like there's any questions. Um, so what we're going to do now is take communion. And if you've got whatever bread you have or crackers you have, you can get those. And um, together we will take communion. In communion, we remember that Jesus' body was broken for us. We remember that his blood was shed for us. And who is us? Enemies. People that have been indifferent to God, rejected God, dismissed God. Jesus was gracious to us. On the cross, Jesus blessed those cursing him and said, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. God demonstrates his love for us, for, for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what the Bible says, and that's what we remember. We remember that he poured out his blood to forgive us of our sins, that he had his body broken to forgive us of our sins, and not just to forgive us, but to adopt us into his family, to make us his children, to become our father and allow us to experience a community of love and grace. So take a moment and take communion. Jesus, I thank you that you love us in the perfect way that you call us to love each other. We are all sinners. We've all failed in loving our enemies. We've all failed in being continually gracious to those in need. We all have demanded our rights. We've all entered into relationships wanting and needing reciprocity. Forgive us, and I thank you that you do. I thank you that you are so kind and so merciful that the very first things you directly command are about grace. That shows us your heart and the kind of God that you are, not just in general, but to us. So thank you that that's who you are, Jesus. I pray that you would help us to grow as a community of grace, that we would all more and more see who you are and reflect that to others. And Lord, I pray any that are not Christians that are listening right now, that you would help them know in their hearts that you mean this for them. That this is not just for the good people that you are gracious to. Help them know it's for them. Jesus, I thank you for this great truth. In your name we pray. Amen.